Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Thank you guys for being with us today. We're so, we're excited we can be ascending church family. And we're excited to just be here during this holiday season. We are in a series called Peace Be With You. Every year about this time, we go through familiar stories, and yet there's always new ways to look at them, new angles. And peace itself is a complex concept with different angles. And so week one, we talked about the peace that Jesus brought to our world. Why was he sent in the first place? And it was for salvation. And so week one was about this eternal peace be still, we called it, because we were being still and taking heart that Jesus brought us peace, that that is why he came as a baby. That is why he grew up to go to the cross for us. Week two, we talked about peace of mind when we struggle with doubts, when we see that Jesus came not as a scam. We talked about scams last week, right? And he he didn't come in a way to try to deceive us, but very honestly approached our humanity to say, Humans have strength and weaknesses. And we could, he allowed us to work out our both and faith. I believe, help my unbelief. And that was the peace of mind we talked about last week. And this week, we're going to look internally, inner peace. I mean, our mind is internal too. But just when we have these like times where we feel anxious or fearful and, and we struggle internally to process the external. We're going to look at what, where Jesus can bring peace for that. Our small group conversation on Tuesday night ended up turning into how do we define peace exactly? Like, is it lack of conflict only? Or what wording can we put to peace? How does it compare to joy and to other concepts? And I appreciated that a couple of people spoke up about how peace is defined in other cultures. And Danefa shared with us that in Nigeria, there's a cultural value called itutu. And this is a Yoruba word of the Yoruba people. And for them, it's one of the most flattering ways to describe people. Um, they call it like a mystic coolness. You just have, you have a sense of calm about you. There is a tranquility, a composure, despite the chaos around you. And Danefa described that You could even see this in people in the busiest, biggest city in Nigeria, uh, Lagos. And she said, it's got an overwhelming amount of people and sounds and just everything coming at your senses. But she's like, you can see some people really staying calm. And I just kept talking to her about it this week, and I appreciated that that Danefa sent me a resource where this uh, little clip came from this visual behind us. And Elizabeth also shared that when she and Burke lived in Thailand, there's a phrase there, jayen, which is having a cool heart. And again, there's these words put to something internal despite what's going on externally. And I was trying to think, like, do we have any of that in America? You know, maybe maybe we say, stay cool under pressure, but I don't know how often we say that, really. In sports, or you're in the zone or locked in, you know, but that's, that's different. Um, 
you know, when you're, when you're high on a substance, that's in a different kind of escape. I don't think that's exactly the word here. You're not just happy-go-lucky because you're ignoring the rest of the world. There's something about this. So in the video by School of Life, E22 is described as this. It's not being unaware about negative things going on. It's recognizing what's in your control. So the two examples they gave was, if you're waiting for a bus that doesn't come, are you blowing up angry or the person next to you might look outwardly very calm? Maybe they're frustrated on the inside, but they have recognized what's within and not within their control. Rain pouring right when you set up an outdoor picnic was their other example. The quote was, it's when we believe that we are more in command of external reality than we actually are, that we respond to reversals and frustrations with rage. But they said the true calmness of Itutu was a recognition of what actually lies in our power to alter. And I just felt like that was a humbling statement because I think about the times I get most frustrated or tense. And, and there's times when I can just really go to the grocery store and I don't have control of everyone around me and it's very stressful. And I remember going the day before Thanksgiving and thought, this is not a good day to go. Yet I have put off this moment. And I went in and I was like, Lord, I've got to be at peace. So I tried to chat up every person working there. How's it going today? Very busy? Okay, great. There's a lot of people. I'm going to breathe. Yeah. So I just, I honestly, I externalized that. And I did. I had a much better experience than I thought I would. Same amount of people that normally makes me stressed. And so there's something about this concept of what are we looking at on the inside in order to face the external? So very human responses. We all feel these things. But... Let's look to see some examples of how do we cope. We're going to dive into a story of true chaos in Luke chapter 2 today. I'm going to begin reading in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. <laughs> I have to read it that way because it always sounds so peaceful, right? People read this as a very peaceful scripture during the Christmas season, but they were terrified. That is not a word that I say peacefully. Terrified is a bad feeling, really. These shepherds were used to working at night. Their entire job is to sit in the dark and look out for predators. That is a very stressful situation to me. Can you imagine looking for creatures of various sizes with sharp teeth that want to eat wool-covered snacks? And so that is their whole job. Rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. The eyes of these shepherds have been trained and alert to spot sudden movements in the shadows. So if something terrifies them, that means it's a big deal because they are used to things jumping in the dark. So let's keep reading. What did they see? Verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby 
wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Here is your annual reminder. We have discussed this over several years. When someone sees an angel, they immediately say, don't be afraid. Why? Because angels are terrifying. So we have nice, calm Christmas card angels. But here is a visual that artists have just tried to depict of the book of Ezekiel. They're called creatures. They have four faces per issue, a lion, an ox, an eagle, a human, four wings, feet like a cow, and under each wing is human hands. Okay, terrifying. Angels described in the book of Revelation. Again, they're called creatures, and the, this depiction is like the underside of the angel because these have six wings and eyeballs all over them. Terrifying. We don't know which kind of angel that the shepherds saw, but it doesn't matter. They all seem terrifying. No wonder when we decorate our Christmas trees, uh, we put angels in our own image because that seems less scary. Now, the astounding angel said, don't be afraid. They brought news of joy, of peace, of a tiny helpless baby. Babies aren't terrifying, unless you're me. And someone hands you a baby, and they're always crying. They're always going to the bathroom, and they don't like you. But that's not that scary. Maybe just a little. Babies are not usually terrifying. It's a peaceful way to enter the world as a Messiah who would save. And so, listening to the message, listening to the song the angels sang that brought more peace than their appearance, and the shepherds collected themselves calmed their heart rates a bit, and decided to go from panic to curiosity. Let's go see this thing we've just heard about. Verse 16. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had seen. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So why shepherds in this story? There's a few concepts we can look at. Number one, it demonstrates that Jesus' purpose was not like human kings. He didn't come to like be this huge authority that only the powerful could access. He came to uplift the poor, and the powerless, and to bring about a kingdom where everyone was invited, even people with the lowly jobs who slept out with the animals in the field. Number two, we can make the connection to King David. David was a shepherd before he became a king, and so Jesus and his lineage is very important that we learn about in Matthew, that he was born in the line of kings in the line of King David, and how fitting that shepherds then would come and greet him as his birth. And number three, we see an allusion to Jesus' purpose. When they grew up, his cousin John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God. And Lamb 
sacrificial lamb was not a metaphor in that day. These shepherds literally took care of sheep, and some of them were surely chosen to be sacrificed at the temple. And those who took care of such perfect sacrifices there on earth got to go meet the perfect sacrifice as a baby. The shepherds began their night terrified, and then they, it says they were praising God, they were glorifying him. They were, there was a worship session going on. We don't know if that happened at the manger or maybe on their way as they were headed back to their job. Somewhere, worship broke out. And we can't imagine just what that looked like. And yet, it says they returned. They wanted to go tell everybody on their way. So a happy ending. We could wrap that up with a Christmas bow. But... I said we weren't going to just gloss over things. We're going to look at reality, right? So yes, Jesus can make fear dissipate. However, it's a journey, and it's work sometimes. Because where did the shepherds go when they returned? They were going back into the darkness of night. They might have experienced amazing light and hope, and then they had to go back to their day-to-day jobs, night-to-night jobs. And it was still dark, and it was still scary, and they're still looking for predators again. But maybe they had something internal now because they had been given some hope. They had been given some light. And even though they're on guard again, they're back to this tense reality externally, hopefully they were clinging to something internally to give them peace. We've sat in darkness of nights. I know. I know your stories, and there's ones I don't know. Where you've sat in literal and figurative darkness. And it's hard to hold on to hope in those moments. It's hard to find peace when all of the unknown makes your heart rate race, and your mind just keep going, and it can just make your physical self feel awful. It's hard to be in darkness. And so we read these scriptures, and I just want to see it as a reminder that we're not alone. Not alone in the darkness, either from God or not alone in our own experiences. That everyone, everyone in the world goes through some dark times. So how do we deal? Well, first, I wanted to just read a few statistics so we know we're not alone. Um, and it's not, it's not the most positive thoughts. But to know that 19% of adults in America are diagnosed with anxiety, 40 million people. And that the most common diagnosis is generalized anxiety disorder. And that there's statistics over and over of people of all ages, and just the help that they get and the help that's provided. And so I like to keep speaking from here to say, you're not alone. We have an amazing church with some amazing professional people, and we have an amazing church of people who've had experiences of getting help from mental health providers, from medical providers. And it's also, let's connect to our spiritual wisdom in our church holistically, let's look at the way that we can find peace and strength 
And we've got so many great resources that we can search for. We're, you're in a church right here that's filled with resources. And I think it's vital that we care for all the different aspects of our lives. On the spiritual side, I want us to hear a few more biblical examples because I don't know if anyone's ever said this to you, but I hope that you, you know, very respectfully just walk away if they do. But if anyone has said, you must not have enough faith because why are you feeling this way? That is not true. Let's read some more people beyond the shepherds. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel had a vision from God and God showed him a war that was going to happen. And when he came out of that vision, he said, I am in anguish. My whole body feels weak because he had anxiety over the terror that was to come. When we see violence in the news, we're going to feel anxious. 1 Samuel chapter 1, Hannah, she is also described in deep anguish. She has grief. Because she has gone month after month with no child, a child that she dearly wanted. And it said she wept with bitterness. She prayed to God, weeping with bitterness. There's a lot of angst there. There's a lot of sorrow. It says her prayers came out and her mouth was moving, but no words. That's how deep that she felt. 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul. He describes an experience that we never find out the details. It's like he can't even go into it. He calls it great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so much so that we despaired of life itself. We might resonate with that feeling. And I would say that generally people would say, he is a man of great faith, right? And he was. And he speaks of God's deliverance, but he also experienced darkness. And he even wrote to the people in Corinth. He said, I'm telling you this so you won't be uninformed. Because sometimes when we don't share, then we think we're the only one. And Paul was saying, I have grown up believing in the Lord God. And yet this thing hit and it floored me. It's okay to be human and to say, I have hit a low. And I want to speak that out loud so that none of us have to hide, that we can turn to each other to know it's okay to speak aloud. And finally, when God came to earth as Jesus, and we just read this beautiful baby precious story, but Jesus grew up and he didn't hide away from the hard stuff. His friends betrayed him. And the night before, he knew he was going to a cross that he'd never experienced before. He, he never had this much pain. He didn't know what the emotional or spiritual burden was going to be to carry our sins. And so the night before, Luke 22, verse 44 says, being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Everything that was internal came out physically. Jesus experienced anguish. And it's probably one of the most comforting scriptures I can read. The holy God allowed himself to experience what we experience. And so what we feel 
and how our bodies and minds and emotions react to things, feeling all that is not wrong. But how we cope, there can be healthier and less healthy choices. It's such a huge topic that what I'm going to say here today is just as a reminder to remind us that we're not alone. I'm not going to pretend to have some five-step solution. Nope, there's no solutions today. I will say that you are seen and known and not alone. But I will also reiterate that all that care that we were talking about and all the different parts of ourselves. I won't just say Jesus is the answer and walk away because even though statements like that may have some truth, but those platitudes don't often feel reality, right? So... I will say that I believe in John 14, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I did not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And he told that to his followers, and I trust that he offers the same to us. When we say yes to following Jesus, when we say yes to a relationship with him, And if you're hearing these words and you're joining us online, anywhere you are, if you don't know what that's about, to truly have a relationship with Jesus, please come talk to me. And so Jesus said his peace was beyond what the world gives. And so we're we're trying to find these words, but there are no words. And we're trying to trust that Jesus does give peace, even when we look around and say, I don't see peace. But maybe those concepts of itutu or jayen get us a little closer. An internal sense. What can we hold internally when externally we've got all these burdens and pain? Maybe it's when we call on someone else greater than us to share that burden. And we have such a person. And right before Jesus said this about peace, he said something else. He said the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So let's connect. If he's going to bring us peace, he's just said the Holy Spirit is coming. And so I see the connection there between Jesus giving us his peace through this mysterious part of the Trinity. Gary talked about the Spirit a few weeks ago. And It's described in the New Testament as being within us, comforting us, giving us wisdom, and knowing simply that we have Yahweh's presence. The Lord God is promised to be with us. And this is this mysterious part of our faith, right? We can't see, and we're trusting is here with us. But knowing that, knowing that Jesus said, I don't want you to be alone, that the Spirit will be with you. Maybe that's what we're clinging to, to have peace despite the external. Because you're going to head back into darkness. Uh, Maybe you're facing stress and unknown attacks at work, like the shepherds. Maybe you've woken from a nightmare like Daniel and realized some of it's true. Maybe you've despaired from grief like Hannah or faced major trauma like Paul or you're anxiously awaiting the unknown like Jesus. 
Darkness will come again. That is the truth. But the light promises never to leave us. Knowing this, knowing this, I hope brings us some peace. If you could put that slide up, Dylan, thank you. Darkness will come again, but light promises never to leave. My prayer is that we will hold this tight, that we will think about this reminder when dark times come. And don't forget this. If the Spirit has promised to be inside of you, then where you go, you take Jesus with you. And just as we cannot feel alone, we can also remember that there's a bunch of other people out there also struggling. And so when we go with the Spirit in us, we bring Jesus into that situation. And so we can both receive comfort from God's peace, and we can also be that comfort for other people. So I pray that you hold on to this truth this week, this season. And again, stay connected. Find people you can be vulnerable with and honest with because we've got a lot of love to give around here. We've got a lot of peace that we may not always know ourselves, and I feel like there's a lot of us willing to offer it to others. We're in a community. Let's live together in community of God's peace. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for caring about our needs that happen all throughout our lives, our external relationships, our our internal thoughts, our emotional health. You care about all of us. You made us so thoroughly, so many details. And we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for living as a human and demonstrating that you went through things that we go through. Thank you for wanting to understand the highs and lows of our journey. And we thank you so much for coming to bring us peace. We thank you for the spirit. We thank you for your presence. And we ask that you would attune ourselves to see you at work in our lives and through our lives. We come before you in praise. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.